Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, January 1st, 2023. It focuses on following the Spirit rather than the flesh. The message to all who will listen is we must choose to follow God in order to experience the new life He has for us. Now, here is Pastor Scott Rose. Happy New Year! 2023, who would have ever thought we would make it this far? I didn't think I was going to live past 97, but here I am, praise the Lord. What a... What a wonderful opportunity to be here with you this morning. Last night, my wife and my daughter and son-in-law and I went out for Chinese food, and we were waiting for it. We got there a little bit earlier, and we were sitting out in the parking lot waiting for the, the restaurant to open. And as we were sitting there, I just had this thought. What do we mean when we say, have, have a happy new year or a happy new year? Is it just for... Kind of like a, a greeting, like, Happy New Year. Hey, we're in a new year. It's, is it for the day? Or do we mean it like, have a happy new year for the whole year? You ever really think about that? Yeah, I'm weird. I do. I, I'm, I'm going to confess that. I am weird when it comes to things like that. It's like, why do we say the things that we say? The reality is that uh, we tell people to have a happy new year, and the truth is, is that some people we know uh, may not be having a happy new year. Some people we know may start out having a happy new year and get into it, and within a couple weeks, a couple months, it's not so happy anymore. And the funny thing is, is that I realize the older that I get, when I think about this idea of a new year, you know, the older I get, I'm just happy for each day. I don't even think about years anymore. Really, isn't that the truth? If we're honest with ourselves, it's like, hey, tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month, 2024, it can wait. I'm not even going to worry about it. And so here we are, the first day of 2023, January 1st, and... I know that every year as a kid and growing up, we, we approach that new year and we approach it with oftentimes new hopes, new dreams, uh, maybe the promise of something new, something better than the year that we experienced. Now, the truth is, is, was last year horrible the whole year? There were parts of it that probably weren't so good. There were parts that may have been absolutely amazing, but... All in all, it's just life. But this morning, as I, was, as I was thinking about the whole idea of a new year and what that, what that means, we all, we all crave for something new, something different, right? We want something better. I think it's built into our spiritual DNA. We want something absolutely better than what we experience in our normal everyday lives. We can have happiness, we can experience joy, uh, we can have peace, but with all that in this world, in this life, we also understand that with that, we have chaos, 
We have times of suffering. We have times of trial and all that. And when I think about newness, I look beyond. I try to look beyond what is here and now. And to understand what I mean when I'm talking about newness, newness of life, newness of hope, newness, new peace, new joy, I have to go to the very end of this book we call the Bible. The end of God's Word. And in the Revelation of John, chapter 21, starting in verse 1, I'm going to start there this morning. And we're going to read a few verses. But I want you to listen to, to John's vision. After all this, we understand Revelation, right? Revelation is, is like this book that talks about all this stuff, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord on the throne, the revelation of God's kingdom, uh, the conflict between heaven and earth, the conflict between the beast and humanity, and, and all that's going on, and God reaching down into human existence to pull humanity back to himself. And in so doing, it comes to the end of the book, and where God does is doing something amazing. He's, put to, he's finally put to end the power of sin and of death. He's cast down the devil into the lake of fire for never to rise again, never to create chaos on earth, never again to lead men astray. But he also does something else. He renews us. He renews his creation, all of it, to be the way he intended it to be when he created it in the very beginning in Genesis 1.1. So let's take a look at Revelation chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven and from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be, that, be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who has, was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So as we listen to this, we get this beautiful vision. All the old things have been put away. All the things that cause suffering in this world 
that cause pain, that cause mourning, have been put away. They've been done away with. They've been cast out. And it says that God is going to make everything new. And now everything new is a renewal to its former state, to what He intended it to be in the beginning when Adam walked with God in the garden. There was peace. There was no sin. There was no pain. There was no suffering. It was communion with God. God, it tells us that in this passage that God will be the light of men. That we will have this wonderful, continuous communion with God. This ongoing, for all eternity. He will be the source of our joy. He will be the source of our peace. He will be our comforter. And we will behold Him as He really is. He will reveal Himself to us. And we will be lifted up and live with Him in this new holy Jerusalem, this new city that's brought down to us. Now, that, that is really good news, isn't it? Come on. Isn't that good news? That's the best news ever. You guys should be jumping up and down, applauding and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can get Pentecostal today, I promise. Nobody will blame you. Mike's not here. No, I'm just kidding. You want to get a little charismatic? Go for it. Little known fact, did you know that the Quakers were the first charismatics? Because they believed that of the indwelling Holy Spirit and the, the getting, getting fired up and preaching boldly. Uh, I don't think they were the first ones. There were more before them, but uh, Quakers are known for that. But anyhow, back on the subject here. This morning. So here we are, 2023. We've got this beautiful vision of, of the future, of eternal life with God, when all these things are put away, and yet here we are in this world. Really, if we're honest with ourselves, not certain of what tomorrow's going to hold. We don't know that, right? Jesus said, Don't worry about tomorrow. Today has its own troubles. And we have, we have to really believe that. And we really have to learn to live day by day. Yes, it's wise to plan for the future. It's wise to do things to help yourself to prepare for what the future may hold. Retirement, whatever it may be. Health issues, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But the reality is, is that the only thing that we know for certain is that the only moment we have is the moment that we're in. Beyond that, we don't know. We don't know what the next half hour is going to hold, or the next day, or the next week, or the next month. But what we do know is that we do not have to wait till this day in Revelation chapter 21 to experience that newness of life. Did you know that? That you can begin to experience that newness of life right here, right now, today, in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes to the Corinthians, Behold, you are a new creation. The new has come. 
the old has passed away. What did he mean by that? What did he mean? He means and meant that we have a new life in Christ that's not just hidden with him, but it's a life that we have been called to live out in our daily lives, to experience that newness of life, that communion with God is present to us now. George Fox, the founder of Friends, believed and preached the fact that we have communion with God through Jesus by the power of the indwelling spirit that lives within us and that we can experience that communion every day, moment of every day. The problem is not that God leaves us, it's that we don't really pay attention to the spirit within us or to God's leadings within us. The early friends understood that that, that leading of God within us was something that we should always look forward to every day when we get up. That we should walk with that. As Adam walked in the garden with God, we can walk through this world with God each and every day. Do you believe that? I do. I absolutely believe that 100%. Now, am I good at it? No. You know I was going to say that, right? No. But I try. I'm getting better. I will admit, I am getting better. I am learning to listen to God a little, little bit more as each day goes on, as, each, as my life goes on. But, you know, I had this terrible, terrible habit of listening to my flesh. It's horrible. Because my flesh generally is opposed, most of the time, to what God wants me to do. And I have to struggle with that. We all do, right? We struggle with that every day. You know, here I, here I am. You get up in the morning and, you know, I like to get up in the morning and, and sing the doxology while I'm in the shower. I sing it quietly so I don't wake up my wife because she would throw something at me. But the, the reality is, I, I love that because it helps me focus my mind on God. And I get up and I, I do my devotions and I spend time in prayer and I start my day off. But it's not too long before I get out into the world and taking care of all the things that I have to take care of that I start getting distracted by things of the world, by the desires of my own flesh. Something that I may need, I, know, I may know I need to do. And then all of a sudden, it's like, and I know God wants me to do it because it's working for his kingdom. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Uh-uh. Nope, I can't do that. No. Okay, God, I'll do that if I have to, I guess. But the reality is, is that we all struggle with that. But even though we struggle to that, I want to I help you this morning and help myself when it comes to how do, we, how do we begin to really live that life that God has us, to live in communion with God on a regular basis as we go through each and every day. It's, it's tough. It's a struggle because we're always going to be at odds the spirit and the flesh are always going to be at odds with one another. But we can learn to surrender to the spirit more and more. One of the first things that we need to do 
is, is pray in the morning for the Lord to, to fill us. Each day, fill me, Lord. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk. But to pray that prayer requires something of us. And I'd like to turn in our Bibles to the first two verses in chapter 12 of Romans. The first two verses in chapter 12 of Romans this morning. And we all know what Romans is about, right? Romans is a wonderful, that's my favorite, there's, my two favorite books in the Bible are Romans and Hebrews. I love the Gospels because that's the story of Jesus. But when it comes to life, how I'm called to live life, the things that I'm going to face, the things that, that I'm challenged with, Romans is it. Paul nails it. He nails it in Romans. Because, I mean, it's, hey, this is sin. This is what sin does to us. This is how, how it destroys our lives and all this other stuff. And, and he goes through all this. And he, he talks about how God has done so much to rescue us from the power of sin in, in Romans. And then he talks about our relationship with Israel and how... Uh, because of sin, we were separated from Israel, but through Jesus, we've been brought back and we're grafted into that tree that is Israel. And then, he, in chapter 12, he, he turns the page a little bit on us. He changes. He tells us all about sin and death and all this other stuff, only so he can explain to us how we are called to live in Christ, what it means to live in Him. So, in verse 1 of chapter 12, Paul, looking back to everything that he said before, writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, Paul's saying, you want to live this life? You want to live this life in Christ? You want to live, understand what it really means to be a follower of Jesus, to pick up your cross? He begins with the first thing sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Present your bodies. You know what a sacrifice is, right? A sacrifice is something that's, what was that? Something that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. A sacrifice is something that, um, that means you're giving it away completely. I mean, it's basically condemned to death, right? Or you're taking your hands off it. It has you have no control over it whatsoever anymore. You're just laying it down. Here it is. God, this belongs to you. And yet Paul says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Woo, doggy. A living sacrifice. Otherwise, lay your life down. At the foot of the cross. Lay it all down. Taking nothing back. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. Right? Do you realize if you're going to carry the cross around, sooner or later you've got to expect to get nailed to it. 
Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Otherwise, here it is. God, here I am. All of me. I surrender everything. All my hopes, all my dreams, all my desires. Your will be done. Don't we pray that prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, does that mean God do your will on the earth but leave me alone? I don't think so. I think it means, God, here I am. Let your will be done in my life right here, right now. Whatever you desire, whatever you want, here I am. I present myself to you. Do what you will with me. Take control of my life. We want that communion with God. It means we have to present ourselves to God in such a manner that we are not willing to chase the desires of the flesh. When I say the desires of the flesh, I mean those things that will obviously lead us away from God. We have certain natural desires that we need to take care of, like food and water and clothing and, and housing and stuff like that. But when those things become first in our life and God becomes second, we no longer are walking in communion with God. We're walking in communion with the desires of our flesh. But God says, be a living sacrifice. Lay it all down. Give it to me. You know, but he makes wonderful promises in his scripture. I've been spending the last several months just reading through the prophets. And you know what's amazing about it? God is always telling Israel, look, just turn away from all that stuff you've gotten into. Turn back to me. If you will turn back to me, I will bless you more than you were blessed before. In Deuteronomy, he tells when Moses is given the second reading of the law to those, that new generation that's about to go into the promised land. What does Moses read them in Deuteronomy? Hey, listen, guys. God says, if you will do this, if you will follow me, if you will obey my laws and my commandments, you'll be most blessed among all the nations. You will have, you'll be better than all of them. They'll all be amazed at you. They'll all flock to you. But if you turn away and start following after your own desires, you're going to be more cursed than they are because I'm going to come and reckon with you because you're my people. But God says the same thing to us. Scripture speaks to us. The whole of Scripture, not just books, not just verses. The whole of Scripture speaks to us and it sets us on a path to follow Jesus. A new and living way. So we begin by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. Then it says in verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Behold, you are a new creation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, seeking daily what it is that God has for you. What does He want to do in your life? What is He revealing in your life that He wants you to get rid of? What is He... Revealing in your life that he wants to turn you into, to change you into, to transform you into. What is it? See, God doesn't want to leave us where we're at. He didn't send his son in the world to say, 
okay, guys, here you go. I died for your sin. Now, just accept me and go and live life however you want. No, he inaugurated a new and living way. A new and living way, which we are called by him to live a new life, a transformed life, a life that's marked with love, a life that's marked with grace, a life that's marked with mercy, a life that's full of the fruit of the Spirit, a life that is led by the Spirit and not the desires of the flesh. But we must allow ourselves, we must allow God to transform, transform not only our minds, but our hearts. We must allow Him to cut away the dead flesh from our hearts, creating us a new heart and change our way of thinking. That's the new and living way. Jesus did not come to start a new religion. He brought a new and living way, a relationship with God. Our Father in heaven, His Father, our Father, which makes Him our brother. And it says that in Romans chapter 8. You can read it. I challenge you. People freak out when I tell them, hey, you know what? Jesus is my brother. But He is. Now, He's God's Son. I'm His brother by adoption. You're His sister. You're His brother. You're His sister. You guys back there, brother and sister to Jesus. Yeah. It's not weird. We are part of a new family, a new creation. So as we go into this new year, how, what do we do with that? You know, I've been reflecting on the last couple years, COVID and all the political wrangling and all that other stuff. And, of course, I'm a, I, I love church history. I love history. And I look back at all the, all the craziness that mankind, the human race, has committed. And, you know, the one thing that I'm... I am reminded of is that when that great and final day comes that we read about in chapter 21 of Revelation, when that great and final day comes, there are not going to be any friends. There are not going to be any Baptists. There are not going to be any Methodists, Presbyterians, Catholics, Episcopalians. There's not going to be any Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents. There's not going to be any black or white. There's not going to be any of that stuff any national boundaries or anything like that, we're all going to be one people under the banner of Jesus Christ. All that stuff that we get caught up with in this world is going to be done away with. And you know what Jesus calls us to do? Do away with it now. Don't get caught up in that. That's just the wet devil's way of distracting us. Now, he calls us to love unconditionally, to go out. You want to begin to be transformed in your mind, the renewing of your mind? Start loving people that you didn't think you could love before. doesn't matter who they are, what they've done, or anything like that. If they don't know Jesus, they need to know him, and you might be the only Jesus they ever meet. It's a new year, folks. Here we are. It's a new year, but every day is a new day. Every day brings new opportunities. Every day leads us closer to the kingdom of heaven, to that great day when God will be our light. The question is, are we going to go alone or are we going to bring some others with us? That's what we're called to do.
It's a way. A way is a path you walk in. And if you're walking in a path alone, it gets lonely after a while. But when you're walking in a way with a group of like-minded people with the same focus, it's fun, no matter what you face, because we strengthen one another. Friends, this is a new, a new way, a new life for a new year, a new opportunity for each of us, for us as a church, for us as followers of Jesus, for us as brothers and sisters of the living Christ through whom we have received this great gift of redemption. This morning, I'd just like to take a few minutes, give you the opportunity to reflect on what you've heard this morning. But I want you to ask yourself a question. God, how can I live my life better for you this year? What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? What do I need to lay down in order to bring others to live in fullness with you and to let people see Jesus in this broken world? Abba Father, we are so grateful that you do not leave us where we are at, but that you are constantly moving, Lord, in our lives, nudging us, guiding us, helping us. Father, this morning, we just ask that as we begin a new year, as we begin each new day. Lord, help us to seek your face. And Lord, when we wander, as we often do, I pray that you would help us, Lord, that you would call us back. Help us tune our ears to your still, small voice that speaks within us. And Lord, help us to know that you are not a God who is far away, but you are near. You are within us. You have placed your spirit in our hearts and our minds. And we never need to fear, but we can trust you, God. Help us to follow in the path you set before us, Jesus. To walk in the way. To do the things that you did. To touch the type of people that you touched. To proclaim with boldness the kingdom of our God. Our Father, our desire is simply for you to have the glory in all things, in our lives, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our church. God, we want you to have the glory. In Christ's name.
Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.